0: Welcome to the Black Sheep Recovery Warfare Podcast, where it is our mission to debunk the lies of the enemy and announce freedom to those still lost in the darkness and addiction.
1: Welcome to the Black Sheep Recovery Warfare Podcast. I am Brother Phoenix and I am... My co-host tonight is the Holy Spirit because my normal co-host is out sick for the night. Palmer is not with us. He is at home. He's not feeling well. So if we can just give him some prayers and uh, send some love his way. I am joined with a black sheep warrior princess, a good friend of mine named Jelana Rushton. She's got a lot to talk about tonight. uh, But first, I want to talk about our first conversation. Um, It was about a year ago. And... uh, about uh, I'd say probably a week or so before she had contacted me through messenger on Facebook, I had been talking to daddy, the, you know, the all father, the, the alpha, the omega, and, and wondering to myself, and, you know, am I making a difference? And, you know, I, I know I've experienced some growth, but, but do, I know you see me God, but do, am I an example for others? Am I a light for anybody else? I was questioning that I had the enemy in my ear, you know, it was like, Uh, just basically lying to me you know calling me at like uh people think you're faking people think you're a liar you're just faking and um through jelana rushton who i'd never met in my life uh just out of the blue one day sent me a message and then would you like to share how that conversation went
0: yeah you had posted something um your testimony Mm -hmm. and i was I, i watched it and then it was something like uh Tag somebody that you know is making a difference. And I had tagged you in that post and then I inboxed you mm-hmm. and told you my you know, about my husband and that your testimony was inspiring and how I've learned through watching your stuff on, you know, Facebook and stuff that addicts are people too and they you know, they recover and someone loves them
1: and That's right. Yeah. So basically what let me ask you this. What were your feelings toward drug addicts prior to and we'll get to your testimony. But prior to all that, how did you look at drugs and how did you look at drug addicts?
0: Well, I hated drugs, but drug addicts, uh, passed judgment, um, called them names.
1: Well, I'm, I'm just flat out offended by that, Jelan. I did not appreciate that. And, and, uh, just in the in the podcast, just in the live, and I'm just kidding. So, so basically, uh, in a roundabout way, you just looked down on them. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't fully understand the, the, um, the, the magnitude of, of what drugs actually literally did to people, especially, and their loved ones. And that happened to you, didn't it?
0: Yeah. God gave me a big piece of humble pie.
1: Did he? Yes. Okay. So, um, uh, well, let's, let's just jump right into it. Uh, let's start, let's, uh, let's start from wherever you want to start in your testimony. Let's start where, where, uh, actually I, I want, I'd like to hear, um, hear about your relationship with your, how you met your husband and, and, um, or would you rather start even further back with uh, your father? I'll start
0: with my father. My, okay. my dad was an alcoholic all my life. Um, he drank every day, but he was a functioning alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Like He worked every day. He um, he wasn't what I would call violent, but he had mood swings. Mm-hmm. He all, I mean, he drank nonstop. He went to jail several times, many DUIs. My mom worked nights, so me and my brother was home with my dad, and me and my brother would have to drive my dad home, and we were only, like, 10 and 11
1: years old. So you were driving at 10 or 11 years old? See, I I can actually uh, um, feel that because, like, uh, I started drinking when I was about 11 years old with my grandfather. My grandfather literally had me driving him all over Jackson um, at 11 years old, sitting on two... um, Uh, you know like those fishing cushions that you had in like a john boat i'd be sitting over there and i could just barely reach the pedals but i'd drive him all over south jackson and raymond i mean all day every day and drinking with him
0: my dad had a willis jeep and i was scared to death to drive it oh those things are big (laughs) so my brother being nine years old and he's like really short he's not tall like me yeah he would drive it
1: yeah that reminds me of that scene from a brother where art (laughs) the when when the little guy was sitting on those books and he had a like a broomstick pushing the pedals. Yeah.
0: And my dad died in 2018 from a DUI related crash. He, oh, wow. He was, um, it was in Robin Hood, same mm-hmm. street uh, my husband died on. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in a Nissan Titan mm-hmm. and he was doing about 60 when he hit that oak tree. Wow. Yeah. And
1: you were on scene, weren't you?
0: Well, that's what I, yeah. He uh, hit the oak tree and it, you know, hit it head on so Mm -hmm. you know the motor and everything's pushed into the cab Mm -hmm. i got to the scene my mom was already at the scene no first responders were there yet
1: y'all were the first ones there Mm -hmm. i could imagine that how old were you um
0: that was in 2018 so in my 30s okay and uh i remember walking up to my dad's truck my mom had fainted because mm, she seen him. Yeah. He had blood coming out of his nose, his mouth, his ears. He had a chrome toolbox that came through the back glass and that had hit him.
1: Oh. And so this was like on impact. Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: and there was blood everywhere. Wow. Um, my dad passed away, and I was holding his hand when he passed away. He kept calling me mama. Oh. He thought I was his mom,
1: you look like his mother, yes, yeah, I could see that,
0: and I mean. he and he kept telling my mom, I messed up, I messed up, but when he died from his injuries, I was holding his hand, mm-hmm. and I was singing the song to him. he used to sing to me when I was a kid, "You are my sunshine. that's
1: beautiful, yeah, that's amazing,
0: and it was hard, um, you know, my dad's death took us like all by shock, you know of course. he even though he was an alcoholic, he was my dad, of course. And my mom, she, you know, they were married over 40 years. That was her first love, you know. Mm -hmm. And my brother was in prison when my dad died, so he didn't get to attend the funeral. He didn't Mm -hmm. get to say goodbye or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, my dad's, I really thought that my dad dying, you know, when my brother got out of prison, that last time that he would you know, it would be an inspiration and he wouldn't go back to drugs, but yeah. he fell right back into
1: drugs. Yeah. I had that, I had that same issue, uh, through the close deaths that I went through with my mother and my father and my little sister. Every single time I had a loss in my family, that's exactly where I ran to was to drugs and alcohol for, cause I didn't want to feel that. That was my coping mechanism mechanism. And, um, I didn't want to feel that. I didn't, I didn't want to feel that pain. I didn't want to feel the loss. I just, I just wanted to – if I could have, I could have just slept through it or just numb myself. And what I, what happened throughout all that drug use for me was it caused me to have this heart of stone. And uh, I got to where I didn't feel anything toward anybody or anything. And it affected uh, everybody in my family close to me, my daughter, uh, the girl I was with at the time, and so on. So I can – I mean, I, I can relate to your brother yeah. is what I'm saying.
0: My brother, his addiction – I want to say it started when he was a teenager, mm-hmm. but he didn't start messing with meth until he was like nineteen. And he would he would attack us. He would attack my dad he physically. Attacked, yeah, physically.
1: Okay, so this is where this is where I am getting into the title of the show. It's called the Jekyll and Hyde syndrome. Mm-hmm. We can literally tell you that uh, I can literally tell you, and I am sure your brother could attest for this, and I know you can by your experiences with your husband is that uh, there is this myth that. Uh, uh, with drugs and alcohol that uh, what you uh your true feelings towards somebody or something or anything will come out uh when you're intoxicated or when you're high and uh, that's just not true and uh, and it causes uh it ca- it causes you to be um, just mean and hateful yeah. you know you could be a very loving gentle person and when you're uh when you're high like that it can it turns you into something that you're not which is a Jekyll and Hyde syndrome yeah and you and you've been through that with several people in your family, your husband, your brother, and I'm not your father. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So continue. My
0: brother, he uh, he was really really come over to the house. He had been stealing from all of us. Mm-hmm. He had been stealing my mom's medicine. Mm-hmm. He stole my TV and sold it to somebody. Mm-hmm. And um, I was confronting him about my TV, you know, because I wasn't going to go get it from the person he sold it to. It wasn't their fault. Mm-hmm. I told him, you, you know, you owe me money for my TV. Well, he attacked me and pulled me by the hair of my head. And, you know, when you're on drugs, you got super strength. Yeah. He put my face in the heater. Oh. And my dad was trying to get him off of me, but he pushed my face into the heater. And my dad finally got him off of me. And he it was like two weeks later, he went back to jail. Yeah. <clears throat> and he was in jail for nine years nine, ten years, and he got out, and he came to stay with us mm-hmm. at our house, and, uh, at some point in time, him and my husband started doing drugs together.
1: Let me stop you right, stop you right there. Let's talk about your husband for a second, so back up to when, about, let's, let's, look, I want to hear how, how, uh, how your husband, and, uh, was, toward, like, uh, how did y'all meet, and, you okay. know, what his personality was toward you, and, yeah. and such.
0: Okay, um, uh, Met through Facebook.
1: <laughs> he probably didn't have a filter on. <laughs> Let's talk about filters for a second. Me and, uh, let me stop right here. Just going to lighten this up a little bit. So, uh, after Jelana sent me those messages, the messages uh, the first time we talked, like our relationship has, has uh, uh, evolved into us just back and forth, sharing memes about filters um, <laughs> and people that use them. And what I want to share about that is like, I don't have a problem with filters, but it, there was this one uh, one instance where uh, I was at a CR meeting, and uh, this girl walks up to me, and she's like, "Hey, John, how's it going?" Like, she, like I'd known her all my life, and I looked, I'd never seen this girl before in my life, and I said, uh, "Hey, you," you know, because I hate not knowing the name or whatever. And I was like, I'm, "But I told her," I said, "I'm sorry, I don't think I, we know each other." And she's like, "Yeah, we've been. I mean, I know you on Facebook, and my name is such and such." And then when the conversation was over, I just got curious, and I went back and looked. And the difference in her Facebook pictures and her... This was, like, very deceptive and all lies. I was like, that is not you. So, anyway, back to your story. Yeah, you... It's all manipulation. It's like catfishing, and I'm just like, I'm not in agreement with it. Like, the filters that are kind of, you know, a lot of... At least you can tell, you know, who the person is. But it's just, like, clearing some stuff up, you know, like wrinkles or, you know, some scars. Well, you you don't want
0: to... Look like a Kardashian, then right. somebody meets you and you look <laughs> yeah. like the Crip Keeper. <laughs>
1: exactly, it's like wow, that's very deceptive, and you know, in any way. So um, back to yeah, your
0: story. Um, he jumped in my inbox on Facebook in 2012, and he's like, "Do I know you?" I was like, "No." He's like, "Well, we're friends on Facebook." I said, "I'm friends with a lot of people yeah. on Facebook." Yeah, <laughs> he said, "Well." My name's Robert. I said, Oh, I can see that because your name is beside your picture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said, Smart aleck. Yeah. <laughs> I said, Yeah. And then, you know, a couple of days go by and he inboxes me again and he's like, Um, what are you doing? You know, the typical W Y D. What are you doing? <laughs> and I said, Oh nothing. Um, just chilling. He's like, if you need anything, anything at all, don't hesitate to call me. I said, well, I don't have your number. Mm-hmm. And he gave me his number. Mm-hmm. A couple of days go by, and he's like, are you going to call me? I said, do you want me to call you? He's like, yeah, please call me. So I called him, and he answered the phone. And he sounded so country. Yeah. And he called me Tater from the beginning. He's like, Tater? He's like, what you doing, Tater? Oh, wow. <laughs> so, and, um, yeah, he's like, you want to go out sometime? I'm like, where do you want to go? He's like... I don't care so we agreed to meet at applebee's anywhere with you baby (laughs) we agreed to meet at applebee's Uh on a saturday Mm -hmm. and he called me and he's like i'm gonna be in my work clothes because i had to work Mm -hmm. he says so i'm coming in my work clothes and i'm Mm -hmm. gonna be greasy i was like okay that's fine he gets there and i just not aware of how tall he was Mm -hmm. and how tattooed he was and he was
1: automatically in love, <laughs> wasn't he? Yeah. It was like head over heels from the get from the jump.
0: He pulled up in this old crusty Ford <laughs> truck. And I got out of my car and I'm standing there. And he walks up to me and I have to look up at him because he is so tall. And
1: wow, you're tall for a lady too. I mean, yeah, I, I stood next. Like- to you. You're about my height. So he got <laughs> he had to be about eight feet tall.
0: He's like six three, six four. Wow. And I looked up at him, and he's like, well, you ready to eat, Tater? I said, yeah. So we go in there, and I eat a hamburger with a fork. Mm -hmm. He was making fun of me because I ate my hamburger with a fork. But after that, you know, we dated for about two months.
1: Well, let me me just stop you there. Okay, so he sounds like a sweetheart. I mean, from from the from the get go, did he did he drink? Uh, no. The time? No.
0: When I first met him, he he only um, smoked cigarettes. That was it. Mm-hmm.
1: Nothing that would alter the mind.
0: Nothing that would alter the mind.
1: Okay. All right. So ha- y'all dated for about two months, and then what happened?
0: We um were at Walmart, and um uh, he said, "You want to get married?"
1: Whoa! Two months <laughs> in. <laughs> yeah he was probably already thinking about this at applebee's yeah
0: (laughs) he said you want to get married Mm -hmm. i said like for real he's like yeah you want to get married i said
1: at walmart
0: yeah he's and then we go over to the walmart jewelry counter
1: i mean we're here
0: he said pick your ring out i was like uh he's like but keep it under three (laughs) hundred (laughs) dollars
1: that is so sweet I mean, I'm talking about this look, this you can't get any more country than that. I guess look, I bet I bet at the uh, like right after they, they left the court out did y'all have a wedding?
0: We um got Todd married us. Uh-huh. It used to be at the point. Todd uh-huh. Sanders. Uh-huh. We got married in his living room.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Did y'all did you have your uh what's the thing after a wedding? I'm trying I've never been married, so uh the um uh, What's the thing? Reception. The, reception. Did, no, you, ha, did, you, ha, did to, you have? The, well, home, no. Did you have the reception at Waffle House? That would have been just as country as you can get. No,
0: we uh, we <clears> went <throat> to um the coast. We went to Hard Rock.
1: That's know. cool. Yeah. Right on. I'm just picking at you about that.
0: <laughs> but yeah, and you know he was so proud uh, that sure he was so proud like absolutely we, when we were getting married he started crying like.
1: Six foot four, and he was crying.
0: He was crying. I this was dude,
1: like- look, let me tell you, this dude sounds like a sweetheart. I don't, I about want to marry him.
0: <laughs> and but then anyway. uh, we decided that we were going to, you know, have a kid together. Mm-hmm. And I was, we had a bonfire at our house. Mm-hmm. And uh, it dawned on me. I've, uh, I've been a little late.
1: <laughs> so- mm-hmm. How old were you at this point?
0: Mm-hmm. Let's see. My baby's nine, so mm-hmm. thirty-five or Thirty-five. Okay. Yeah. Um, I told him I thought I was pregnant, and mm-hmm. he went and got like ten pregnancy tests. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "We're gonna take them in the morning because the box says the morning pee's the strongest." Okay. <laughs> said,
1: okay. That makes sense. He's a smart guy.
0: <laughs> I said, "Okay." Well, he went back outside, so I'm like, I'm impatient, so I go get a couple of them, and I and I you know take them, and it says I'm pregnant. And awesome. I'm like. I'm trying to hold it in not tell nobody. Yeah. I told my cousin Marie, I'm pregnant. Mm -hmm. She's like, we're pregnant. Yeah. (laughs) And then he comes in. He's like, you took the test without me? I was excited, you know. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And we had Connor. Connor was premature. Mm -hmm. But um, Robert didn't start, you know, going with his mental health. He didn't start having mental health issues until after Connor was born.
1: Mm -hmm. And How, How old was Robert at this time?
0: Um, he was three years older than me, so mid thirties. Yeah. Okay. So he, um, uh, after we had Connor, he his mental health started declining. You know, he would get really, um, uh, irritated, mm-hmm. uh, kind of bipolar mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And Connor was one years old, and we lived in Pearl. Mm-hmm. And Robert tried to kill herself. Really. In uh, our house, he. He cut his wrist, and uh so
1: at this point, it's not drug related or it's anything not like related. that. This at is that uh, time. M- mental. It's just uh, mental. issues, okay.
0: And he cut his wrist, and he he cut him really bad. You know the um he had to go to the hospital. He stayed in the Saint Dominic uh mental health facility for a little while, mm-hmm. and he got out and was on meds. He was he did real good for a year. He he did real good. You couldn't have uh, you know ask for a better person. He was worked took care of his mental health mm-hmm. when he, he started feeling better. So he stopped taking his meds and during And he, when he stopped taking his meds a year later, during that one year after he stopped taking his meds, we moved seven times because he, we would get through out of every place because he would fly into rages. Really? Yeah.
1: And, uh, did you talk to him about that? Getting back on his medications yeah. and things like he, that?
0: Um, Cause I told him I was going to leave. Okay. And so he, he went.
1: This is five years into your marriage, right?
0: Yeah. I told okay. him I was going to leave. So he uh, went in and he got back on his meds. He was doing fine and stopped taking them again. And he was really irritated one day. he was We were at my parents' house because we had to move in with my parents. Mm-hmm. And he was really irritated. He stood in the middle of the road with a box cutter and cut his own neck open. Wow. And he fell to the ground and I was trying to help him. The police came, and, you know, they you know they were trying to help him because his neck was cut wide open. Mm-hmm. He um, went to, uh, after that, he went to Whitfield for a while. And he did good, and then all of a sudden stopped taking the meds again, and he would go into these rages, punch walls, try to attack the neighbors. But he didn't attack, you know, attack me or anything. He mm-hmm. just, he... Like, would fight the neighbors and yeah. stuff. And he um, tried to kill himself again in the church parking lot in Robin Hood.
1: See, I, I feel like, and I want to talk about this for a second, because I don't know that much about it. But as far as, like, mental disabilities and things like that go, I think of some of it has to do with demonic oppression. mm mm-hmm. Because this man was in his mid thirties and he didn't have any issues with his mental uh, mentality up until he was in his thirties, it just happened all of a sudden. Like, no,
0: he had he had he's had mental health issues his whole life.
1: His whole life, but, but
0: and he always believed in God up until mm-hmm. the last two years of his life. He kept telling me. Go pray to your fictitious god. See,
1: these are they, see these are attacks of the enemy. It's mm-hmm. obvious that it is. I mean, to to me, I mean, when you when somebody says things like that and they fly off the handle and then these rages, and uh, and attack neighbors and things like that, these are this is the enemy in your ear. I mean, it's it's, it's very obvious that this the enemy in your ear because we know that the that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And this yeah. is what they were trying to. This is what they were doing to this man. Is they were trying to kill steal and destroy not just him but his loved ones around him and and even his neighbors and things like that and um and i'm not saying that all all mental illnesses revolve around that but i'm saying in this particular case and some a lot of particular cases i believe that it is
0: yeah the last um year of his life he uh i think that's when he really got back into drugs, mm-hmm. um, started doing meth. And well, hold
1: on, let me start. Okay, so let's back When did the drug use come into play?
0: Um, he did, the last time he tried to kill himself in a church parking lot, mm-hmm. He um, when he went to Whitfield, he tested positive for methamphetamine.
1: Okay, did you have any idea that he was using methamphetamine? No, um,
0: he told me uh, it was because he was snorting Adderall. Okay. And the well, doc- that's amphetamine, but it's... Well, the like, doctor said no. That's no, what the doctor said. Yeah, there's a difference. Him. The there is said, a difference. The doctor said The doctor said no. Um he, he's not snorting Adderall. He's mm-hmm. he's using meth. Yeah. And uh, me and him talked and he said and you know, he finally admitted that he did it and that he said he was going to go to regionate, He was going to do what he needed to do. Mm-hmm. But uh he lost his health insurance and he didn't want to pay Regionate, so he stopped going. At that point in time, I had just got tired you know, because he wouldn't take care of his mental health. It mm-hmm. just, and so I was like, okay, you know, I'll just, I'll go to work. I'll be a mom. I'll be a wife when he needs me to be a wife. Yeah. Because I was just to the point where I let Robert be do what Robert wants to do. Yeah. Because I loved him and I didn't want to get a divorce. Sure. And you know, now going to therapy and stuff, they said I had a trauma bond with him. Mm. That you know, I which I, could be
1: compared almost like a soul tie.
0: Well, I guess so, because yeah. um, they said that you know my dad being an alcoholic and mm-hmm. and the, you know the way my dad was, I think that's how love's supposed to be. Is that yeah. uh, you that,
1: thought you thought in, that it, it might be normal? Yeah, that, that this is what it's, that all it's
0: about. It should be chaos. Yeah, chaos. That this
1: is normal. This is normal behavior for you because you were used to it yeah. growing up. Yeah, which we know it's not. It's and not, not it's true not, love. Yeah, no. It's not. Mm-hmm.
0: But he, um, he started. My brother went to jail. Um, four weeks before Robert died my mm-hmm. um, brother went to jail because uh, he got caught with methamphetamine and stuff and then he violated his uh probation and all that stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Let's talk about your brother for a second. okay so all right, so your brother you said earlier that your brother had done uh nine years
0: okay when he was nineteen he okay. got convicted of statutory rape because on drugs doing stupid stuff yeah yeah bad decisions yeah got, he he got like 25 years for that. And, you know, this state's mandatory on sex crimes. Yes. And he got out. Did He did some time, got out, and violated with drugs, went back, got out, violated with drugs, went back, mm-hmm. got out, violated with drugs, went back. Mm-hmm. And this last time, they gave him eight, 18 mandatory years.
1: Okay. So, all right. Now, your brother, he's obviously, from what I can gather, is he the one that was supplying your or giving your husband – methamphetamine do you think? Um is that how it started with the methamphetamine with your husband?
0: He plugged him into the resources. I see. He he you know, yeah. he he he's like, "Well, this is where you can get it from." Okay. And it's you know, I've done I've had to pray. I've done a lot of forgiveness when it comes to my brother because when he he went to jail, you know, he could have said, "Hey, sis, look, Robert's on meth. We I knew something was wrong with him, but mm-hmm. I didn't know that he was doing meth like he like he was." And my brother, when he went to jail, Robert was lost because that was his best friend. And, you know, he got really depressed. He moved to the shed.
1: Your brother did? No, my husband. No, your, your husband moved into the shed.
0: He, he said, I want to go live in the shed. I said, okay, go live in the shed. Yeah. <laughs> you're, just, like, <laughs> you're like, okay, we're... I um, didn't want to fight with him, you I know? I
1: understand that. But it's, it's, it's just so strange that he would want to move out of the house with his wife and his child and move but, into a ship. But you know what it is? It's those the enemy in his ear that's trying to separate him from his family.
0: But at nighttime, he would walk the streets. Mm-hmm. You know, when he wasn't working, he would walk the streets of Robin Hood. Mm-hmm. He would, uh, he started doing crazy stuff. My mm-hmm. son-in-law told me, Robert's on the roof. Mm-hmm. I said, what do you mean he's on the roof? He's like he didn't put a chair up there, and he's got a light and everything. His coolers up there. Yeah, and this I asked, is
1: straight up demonic oppression. And I
0: said I go outside, and I was like, "What are you doing?" Because it's like two o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. He's like, "I'm protecting y'all." I said, yeah. "From who?" He said, "The shadow people."
1: I, I'm t- look. I'm glad you said that because I can I can tell you that in my travels through darkness. He was literally seeing those things because I saw those things, and these things are literally real. And this is what's going on around us that, you know, yeah. pe- people can't see. This, I mean, these things are literally there, and I mean, it's real.
0: And he, he. So, in
1: his mind, I can tell you, in his mind, he was literally protecting his family.
0: And he put cameras everywhere.
1: Yeah, that that's very cameras, common for methods I promise. We had you.
0: cameras everywhere. Yeah. He even put a okay, I would sit in the recliner all the time and be on my phone. He put a, a camera that would point down on my chair so mm-hmm. he could cuz he was so convinced that I was out to get him. He yeah. you know, mm-hmm. he wanted to see what I was doing on the mm-hmm. phone. I'm like, "Here, here's my phone, take it."
1: That's the enemy in his ear. I promise you. I I'm I've been through all this and so I'm sure a lot of our listeners and a lot of from my podcast uh, the ears that I want this to reach are the ones that are still in that life, yeah. <clears throat> and uh, that's what we're trying to get this out there to, is to let them know that you know there is a way out of it, yeah. And you know,
0: and then when I realized he had got really bad, when I woke up one night and he took my van apart,
1: straight up spiritual. Order. You ever take up? <laughs> you ever take apart a lawnmower just because? I sure did, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I hey, Danny, if you feel like it, look. Danny, <laughs> <laughs> Danny, listen. If you got anything, it's like you chime in at any time because this is the story of my life, man. I'm meth, meth, and, and taking crap apart, man. Yeah. It's, it's, hey, anybody, anybody ever throw you a coloring book? You'll sit there for seven hours with with jail pens. I'm telling you, a hundred percent.
0: I had a really nice van. He yeah. took. He's like, There was a buzzing in it. I said, It wasn't cranked up, so how how is <laughs> it buzzing? You know- he said, Well, it's not buzzing anymore. The electronic doors would not work anymore. Oh, Lord. The dinger didn't work. He had took my steering column out mm-hmm. and there was like wires exposed and everything mm-hmm. and I'm like I can't they're gonna think of think if I get
1: pulled. How am that- I <laughs> supposed to get to work today? <laughs> like- you heard a buzzing, it was probably a little big. Oh Lord!
0: And then he had uh, started digging uh, sores into his arm.
1: That's common. Yep.
0: Yeah, he had them all over his arms, and I mm-hmm. would have to doctor his arms. And everybody's like, "Why didn't you get him help?" I tried so many times yeah. to get him help, and he didn't want to help himself. So yeah. you can't force him to go. Mm-mm. He didn't want help. He he was doing his own thing.
1: Well, here's the thing. So he's in bondage, is what it is. Uh, like he was literally in bondage by the enemy. And when you're in that bondage. You don't, I mean, it's, uh, you believe these, all these lies. I mean, that, uh, that, that there is no help for you. This is your life. I mean, I was literally convinced that I was going to be an, uh, an IV user for the rest of my life and I accepted that. And, uh, so, I mean, he's in, he's in some severe bondage. And what the enemy does is he, he actually puts you in these cycles because, uh, So God is omnipresent. So God is everywhere at all times, right? So the devil can't be everywhere at all times. So he sticks people like Robert and me and Danny, you know, uh, in in these cycles to keep us still in that same cycle so he can come back to us and torment us again later or send his little minions to do the same. Yeah, and you know what? That cycle always, always, 100% of the time started with Adderall. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And
0: he... uh. You know, he, he had got so bad, uh, he was still in my needles after I would use, like, I you know, was I'm diabetic and yeah. I'm type 1, I have to take insulin. Mm-hmm. He would, like, get my stuff out of the garbage yeah. and reuse it.
1: Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something. Look, something special about uh, this particular episode is that Jelana is coming... At, or, May I call you JoJo. Yeah, that's JoJo weird. is coming at this episode, um, coming in um, from a different whole perspective of addiction because she has never done drugs in her life, and drugs literally destroyed her life, literally. Yeah. So this goes back, to, you know, to you know how you uh, dr- I mean you can see how drugs and drug addiction uh, could make her very judgmental in a way. I mean, it's like uh, li- you know, that lifestyle that her husband was living and her brother and her, and her father and all of that, you know, that that would literally um, probably upset anybody um, at the at the whole at that whole community, yeah. you know, the drug community. And uh, so with that being said, um, before we get to the meat of this, um, how do you feel about addiction now?
0: Um, I realize that it's brought on by the enemy, Um, mm-hmm. that there was a we some somehow there was a door open where the enemy could get in. And addiction that's how addiction started. Mm-hmm. And I look at it totally different now. I look at it as that somebody's child, no matter if you don't like that, you know, somebody yeah, loves them. Yeah,
1: that's somebody's mother, that's somebody's brother, that's somebody's uncle, that's somebody's father. That mm-hmm. somebody loves that person. So you you see these when you see these people in public that are in that bondage of methamphetamine and they're acting weird and acting crazy and doing crazy things. You know, uh people laugh at that and poke fun of it. I
0: was guilty of that, but and, I don't do that now.
1: Yeah, because you know, you've been through it and you sw- you saw this and witnessed it. You know, your husband and your brother go through the same yeah, thing. Yeah, because when my husband when my
0: husband died and it was on the news and you know how news feeds on Facebook, people comment. Mm-hmm. People was calling him a crackhead and yeah. stuff like that and mm-hmm. he wasn't a crackhead. Yeah. You know, I don't think that's a good name. So, to call and, and how
1: can these people call themselves Christians when, when we're we're called to love them anyway? Yeah. you know, you are not supposed that is not a Christian way to act, and it's like being judgmental like that. Like, like if you are in a church and somebody walks into that church uh, dirty from head to toe, and you can tell that they are in that bondage, and you turn your nose up to them, then then you don't belong. in I mean, exactly. You know, I mean, it's like if you are a church, if you are in a church that that is my is—my what up, Eddie Poole? I am about to quote you. I know you're watching. Shout out Eddie Poole. Um, I believe, let's see, how did Eddie say it at that time? Um, if you're a church that's not seeking the lost, then you are the lost. Yeah. Okay? Um, and uh, while I'm doing shout outs, shout out Donna Mott. I love you. Angela Jackson, hey. And uh, anyway, so continue.
0: And, you know, a week before he passed away, mm-hmm. um, I woke up in the middle of the night and he was on top of me. Mm-hmm. And he had a knife. Uh, the knife that uh, is this the
1: first time he's uh, that he attacked you
0: yeah he um was on top of me with a knife and i was stunned like i said what are you doing and he tells me he puts the knife on my arm and he he rakes it down my arm he's Mm -hmm. like i want to know if your insides is as pretty as your outsides wow and i'm like okay i'm thinking to myself I bet I, you were
1: terrified.
0: I was. I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? You know? Uh, I mean, because he was not little, but, you know, he had done lost a lot of weight, but he was still a big man, and he yeah. had, you know, he pinned me down, and just like that, he snapped out of it, and he's like, i to go to Waffle House.
1: Jekyll and Hyde.
0: Mm-hmm. Snapped out of it just like that.
1: Jekyll and Hyde. And hey,
0: you want to go to Waffle House? I said, 3 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to Waffle House right w- now.
1: Baby girl, Waffle House is always open. <laughs> yeah, I, was- I got to say, I agree with them on that one, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. and,
0: and the kids heard it. Like, my daughter, she's like, I heard him in there. And the kids, you know, after he died, my son's like... I used to put something against the door when I went to sleep because I was scared he was going to come in there. Is, is
1: he still living at the shed at this point, in the shed?
0: He's in and out of the shed. Like, uh-huh. he would come in the house at night and just pace back and forth, back and forth. I,
1: okay, all right. Let's talk about the shed for a second. I got to know about the shed because me, as a former meth, methamphetamine user, I can tell you this, this thing was probably decked out. He probably had monitors in there, probably had booby traps around there. Oh, he would know if you went in the shed. He he was like. Probably had six, seven locks. And I mean. He's like. Did he have a. I obviously didn't have a bed in there because we don't sleep.
0: No, he had a cot in there, but it had clothes on it. Okay. But he. He's like, I know if y'all go in the shed and touch stuff, mm-hmm. like, he would set stuff up. Like, mm-hmm. he would know if you yeah. touched his stuff. And then he had started letting his hygiene go. He And yeah. he would always been a real clean person. He got to where he would take a bath, like, every other this day. Is str- I
1: mean, I'm telling y'all, this is straight-up spiritual warfare going on with this man.
0: Now, four days before he dies, he goes and he gets clean-shaved. Mm-hmm. He's back to his, like, he's, he's perky, everything. He, uh... Going to work and you know being okay, you know those two days. Uh, the night before he died, which was the twentieth. That's uh, that's
1: actually. Let me uh, uh, say this. Uh, this this is the two year anniversary coming up in two days of this happening. To, the twenty first, yeah. yeah, the twenty first.
0: Yeah, he uh the twentieth, he's um he got home from work and I made his favorite food, country fried steak, mashed mm, potatoes and gravy. Girl, I bet you can cook. I can, <laughs> and uh. I'm, and I fixed his food, and he ate. And that night, he actually fell asleep on our bed. He fell mm-hmm. asleep across the bed. Mm-hmm. So I said, I'm not waking him up. I'll just, because I had a recliner in my room. I said, I'm just going to sleep in the recliner, because he fell asleep long ways across mm-hmm. the bed. So I slept in the recliner. I woke up about 3. He was gone.
1: 3 in the morning?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I went to the kitchen window, and he's not in the shed because the light's not on. mm mm-hmm. And so I go back to bed. Well, he comes in at 6 o'clock in the morning, and he's really irritated, like real, real irritated. He's mad at the neighbor. He said uh, something happened, and I found out after a while why he was mad at the neighbor. He had gave the neighbor money to buy him an eight ball, and they did not bring his eight ball.
1: Oh, I bet he was upset. I know I'd be upset Back back then. I mean, you know. Yeah, so and that probably was, that probably set him off. He was
0: really irritated, you know that that morning, real real irritated. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where he decided that morning that you know it was going to be a bad day because he yeah. he.
1: All right, now we're about to get into it. Like, I mean, I want let's let's start uh, let's start right there. Uh, he had
0: he um. He had two things of Evan Williams eggnog, and he had mm-hmm. cr- crushed Xanax up mm-hmm. and put it in the Evan Williams eggnog mm-hmm. and drank it. Wow! And he was that was in the morning time.
1: Mm-hmm. That was That was for breakfast. That's how. Yeah.
0: And he uh went in in his jeep, and he 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 was asleep. I was like, thank God he's finally asleep. Mm-hmm. He's sleeping. I'm a, I'm gonna cover him up. Mm-hmm. So I covered him up because it was in December. It was kind of cold. I covered him up, and I went out there around twelve. And me and him talked. You know, I sat there, and he um. Uh, he's like, "You don't love me." I said, "I love you." I said, "You don't know how much I love you." I said, "Most people would be them jump ship by now."
1: Yeah, I you're said, you're complete and total. Stand by your man. Exactly. You're a stand by your man, woman.
0: Mm-hmm. And he had uh, he was just you know in and out of sleeping. And so I said, okay, when my baby got home, he said, daddy's asleep in the Jeep. I said, okay, well, let's go out there and wake him up. Get out there. He's, he's, he's got foam around the mouth. His mm-hmm. lips are blue. Mm-hmm. I immediately called 911. And uh, he had had the heater on in the car, so mm-hmm. I turned it off and took the keys. And I'm on the phone with 911, and he comes to, and he screams at me. Give me my effing keys! I said. You're not getting these keys. He's like, "Give me my keys!" And he's like, like snatching them out of my hand. He snatched them out of my hand. He puts, um, he cranks the um, jeep up. He, um, the door is open to the jeep because I'm trying to get him not to leave. Yeah. And he backs up and hits me with the door and knocks me to the ground. Mm-hmm. He hits. He goes in reverse so fast he lands in the woods across the street. Busted both of the back tires. Mm-hmm. And then I'm screaming like somebody help me because it was just me and my baby at the house. Yeah. He takes off and in front of our house there's a curve and there's a mud pit. Mm-hmm. He land he goes straight into the mud pit. Jeep is sinking in the mud. I'm screaming, I'm screaming, you know, stop, stop, stop. And you know, my baby's standing on the porch and I'm standing in the road. The police is coming down the road. Now give, I called the police at three o'clock. He was dead by three
1: twenty eight. All right, let's 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 uh, let's talk about those events, okay? And um,
0: he, okay, I'm running. I you know I'm on the road. The police is coming. The police get out of the car. I said he's on something. I don't know what's wrong with him. Something's wrong with him, mm-hmm. and they're like, get back, get back. So you know I stand back, and they uh have you know they're getting out. You know, they, they didn't get out, you know, guns drawn at first. Mm-hmm. They're telling him, get out of the vehicle, get out of the vehicle. Well, he gets out of the vehicle. He jumps out of it like Rambo, like, like a spider super, monkey. super strength, like, Yeah, eyes black as night. Yeah. Like his eyes are so black.
1: Full on demonic, and, I'm, and I'm hollering warfare. his
0: name, and he never looks at me, never looks at me. And I didn't realize at that time that he had knives in his hand. Yeah,
1: this was not your husband.
0: Mm-mm. He... He does his neck like this, and it's on the body cam footage. He pops his neck back and forth mm-hmm. like this. Takes the He had the knives in this thing on his back. He pulls them out, holds them, says, come get you some. Mm-hmm. That's what he tells the police. They tase him four times. Wow. He rips the tasers out of his chest and says, is that all you effing got?
1: Oh, my God.
0: And everyone's like, why didn't they shoot him in the leg? Why didn't they shoot him in the hand? Well... After um I got all his paperwork and everything from MBI, they shot him in the arm first. Mm -hmm. Then they shot him in the leg and he still was coming at them. So they They had no choice. They had no choice. They had
1: no choice. They were protecting themselves. And they shot him what it is.
0: Then they shot him in the stomach. Oh
1: yeah. yeah.
0: And he altogether he was shot six times.
1: And tased four times before that. And that still didn't stop him.
0: He hit the ground. He he was dead instantly. Yeah. You know, he, he was dead instantly. And I'm, you know, I'm standing there, like, in shock. I imagine. Like, did this just really happen, you know? I'm standing there. I'm hyper, like, I'm throwing up and everything. Are and you, Are
1: your children outside, too, now?
0: My baby's on the porch, and he sees it all. Oh, my God, man. And...
1: Bless then his heart,
0: Then, the, then the, the officer's like, get back, get back. I wanted to run to him, but they wouldn't let me. And he's, lay, he's laying on the ground. You know, I knew he was dead in my yeah. heart. I knew he was dead. And so I'm standing there, and I feel something, like, come over me. And I want to say it was the Holy Spirit.
1: It probably was.
0: Because I felt, like, this warmness, and I started to cry. And I said, he's dead, isn't he? And the officer's like, get back, just get back. And then within 10 minutes, everybody from the sheriff's department was on our street. They had blocked both ends of the road off, barricades. They had the mobile command unit and everything. Wow. And they would not tell me anything. Um, one of the officers, a detective, I, can't, I don't know his name, he came to my house. He said, you need someone to come get your child right now. Because they wouldn't let nobody come to the house. They took my phone. I said, well, I have to call somebody, so I called my daughter, and she's like, what's going on, what's going on? I said, Robert's been shot, and she came and got Connor, and I stayed at my house on the doorsteps alone and they didn't send a female deputy down there with me you know i was thinking you know now that i look back why did they not send a female deputy down there with me Mm -hmm. i sat on my doorsteps four hours by myself while he lay dead in the front yard in in the road in front of the house and drones were flying over from tv stations and stuff somebody took a picture of his body laying on the ground and it was on youtube my neighbor tells him his name, and his family finds out from the news that he's dead. Wow. And during that four hours, MBI comes to the house, and they said, uh, "Miss Rustin, as you know, he's deceased. And I'm still in shock, you know. I'm, and what really hurt was the neighbor that didn't get him his eight ball walked through the woods when he was laying on the ground dead. And he's like, Do you need anything? Do you want me to take the dog out? He knew that he <clears throat> had been doing drugs and stuff, and he never said anything. Mm-hmm. He, in my face,
1: no accountability, no
0: accountability. Yeah. And well, when they wrapped up everything, uh, when Officer Brett McAlpin, well, he, you know, he's in jail now, but he brought Robert's Jeep to the house and he told me, He's sorry this happened. He said, "I want you to call me in the morning." Uh, He said, "He's got." He said, "We have to take his body to uh, our uh, more thing so they can do an autopsy there." And he said, "Then David Ruth is going to take him to the crime lab." And he said, "I'm going to try to expedite the process because they're really backed up at the crime lab with bodies."
1: That's like a slap in the face, kind of.
0: And I'm like, (sighs) I'm still in shock, you know. Yeah. And then. After all the police left and stuff, every, people was coming to my house. And I'm still sitting there just in shock. Like, I can't believe, you know, this is happening. Like, did this really just happen? Yeah. And so I go to bed about 2 o'clock in the morning trying to sleep. I couldn't sleep. I fell asleep maybe an hour. His phone went off at 4 o'clock in the morning because that's what time he got up for work. And it woke me up. <laughs> So I took the dog walking, and the dog automatically went to the spot. Oh, my word. To the spot where he died at. Mm -hmm. And she laid there, and she was crying. I I sat in the road with her and cried for like an hour. But then that day, that morning at 8 o'clock, I called the sheriff's department to talk to Brett. And, you know... He was, through the whole process of everything, keeping me up to date, you know, with everything. He he kept me up to date. Yeah. You know, if I needed to talk to him, if I went up to the sheriff's department, him or Paul Holly would see me and talk to me. They kept me up to date. I've never talked to the sheriff. I've always talked to Paul Holly or, you mm-hmm. know, Brett. Yeah. But when Ro- the crime lab had Robert and they lost his body. What? The crime. The lady from the the funeral home calls me, and she said, "Miss Rushton, and she's like, I'm so sorry." But she said, "We went to the crime lab to get your husband, and they don't know where he's at."
1: How do you lose a body?
0: They sent him to a, a funeral home, picked him up by mistake. Oh, <laughs> and so they found him at another funeral home, and so the funeral home we hired, uh, you know, his parents hired, went and picked him up, and. We had his funeral, you know, on New Year's Eve, mm. and it was it was really hard. You I know? can
1: imagine.
0: And when I was getting ready to go to his funeral, the funeral home called me and said, "I need you to bring a long sleeve shirt." I said, "Well, I want him." I said, "I want him to be, you know, cremated in the shirt that he wore when we got married." They said, "Well." We had to make him an artificial chest, and he had all, and um, he needs a, you need to bring him a hat. I said, why does he need a hat? They said, well, his skull was drilled open, and the makeup's not covering it up like it needs to, so we need a baseball cap. I was like, okay. So I, you know, I went and got him a brand new pair of boots to be cre- cremated in, and, they come bringing me at the funeral home, his in a red bag, the stuff from the crime lab. And I opened it up. His clothes are in there. His boots were in there, his belt. I kept his belt. I didn't, I'm assuming that his wedding band was in his boots because the boots had blood on them and stuff in the shirt. And I just, you know, I told the man, I said, I'll keep his belt, but I just, can you just, I just don't want the clothes. So, I'm assuming that's where his wedding band was,
1: yeah, you never got that, huh?
0: yeah, and but you know, after his funeral, i was i I was home alone, and I just got in his jeep and started driving, and I ended up at the point on c r night where at the point? On Where's the point at? Uh, in Star. Well, it's in on Brandon, Star on Star yeah. Road in Brandon. Let's
1: talk. Let's talk about the point first. So, tell us what the point means to you. And well, actually, let's let's talk about that night you walked in there. Let's talk about
0: that. I, I pulled up there because mm-hmm. I had been there one time before,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but you know I visited one time. I um uh, went in there and they were having CR Celebrate Recovery on a Monday night. Yes, and the first person I see is Aubrey.
1: Aubrey Pridgeon, all things New Ministries.
0: And Aubrey is the one that told my brother that my husband was killed because my brother was in the county jail. Mm-hmm. And I walked to the door, and I was crying, and he's like, what's wrong? And I told him, and he knew exactly who I was when I said my last name. Yeah. And him and a lady named Rebecca took me in this room. You know, they prayed over me. And he, Aubrey was telling me that, he lost his wife, Debbie. And he, Debbie you know, yeah. and that you know, with God, you know, it's, you know, it's a process with grief and everything. Trust in him. the process. He mm. said, "Why don't?" And you know, I told him, I said, "You know, Robert was, you know, a drug addict and stuff." He's like, "Why don't you stay tonight?" Yeah, and he said, "Here's some testimony. Mm-hmm. Meet some people." Mm-hmm. He said, "Have you ate?" I said, "Haven't ate in two days because that my appetite." And they fed you pizza my favorite food that's what they had like god this is all a
1: god thing now at this point i mean think about it okay so let me ask this real quick uh so at this point throughout y'all's marriages throughout your marriage how often did y'all visit church
0: oh i went to robin hood church regularly regularly yeah but he 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 He, didn't didn't go yeah okay i had god but i didn't know god you didn't
1: know god and that's That's important so you didn't have a relationship that's right I, i
0: had god but i didn't know god
1: yeah i got you so so here's what happened so The Holy Spirit knew that you were in some serious grieving and knew uh, what you had been through with your father, your brother, and now your husband. And you felt moved to get in his Jeep and take a ride, and you ended up at the Point Church on Star Road on a Celebrate Recovery night. Yeah. And they had your favorite pizza.
0: Yeah, and Diet Coke. And Diet Coke. Because This, diet this Coke, is all God. Because Diet, because diet yeah. Coke cancels out the calories from the pizza. Right, <laughs>
1: exactly. You can look at it like that. Yeah. But, sure.
0: And then um, I met some really interesting people.
1: Funny thing about pizza, though. It's like if one slice is miss, missing from the pizza and then you just eat the rest of it, you really honestly only ate one piece of pizza if it's just like all <laughs> one, you know. Anyway.
0: But uh, So you met some interesting people? I did. And they and, were all
1: drug addicts, weren't they? I bet not all of them there were.
0: But I met, a, I'm not going to say her last name. I'm just going to say her first name because okay. of privacy reasons. Right. But yes. I met this wonderful girl named Melissa. Mm. And she sat beside me in the little, I went into the, the class you mm-hmm. know, to, with the ladies. Mm-hmm. And I sat beside Melissa and I was crying. And she's like, we're going to get through this together. And I told her what was going on with me. And she hugged me. Mm-hmm. And she's like, it's going to be okay. And she's like, I love you. God loves you. Oh, And... I was like, and then she told me her story, and I never seen her after that. Mm -hmm. Never seen her again. Mm. And then one day, I'm on Facebook, and she says happy birthday to a mutual friend we have. And I'm like, that's her, you know. And I found her, and me and her talked, and I told her, you know, that – she really helped me that night and gave me inspiration and Praise stuff. God. And then you know what she tells me? What she tell you? I really needed this. She said I've been feeling down, and she said you made me feel up.
1: And you did the same thing to me when when you sent me that message that day. You were, I mean, God uses you yeah. as a vessel. But I mean, like He answers prayers through you because, like, when I got that message from you, I was really questioning. My walk with Jesus, and then I mean, it was literally that day. I mean, it had been about a week, but I mean, it's like literally that day. I was it was really heavy on me, and I got that message from And, me.
0: You know, after that CR night, I um I joined uh, the grief group. Uh, it's not a we don't have a grief group anymore. It's life groups, you know. Yeah, life groups um, on I Wednesday met, nights. I met yeah. Danita. Danita was my group leader at that time, mm-hmm. and her and Teresa, Miss um, Paula, Rachel, a lot of them has really. In, you know my mentors with mm-hmm. my walk with Christ, and they've been here for me. They hold me accountable too. Now, yeah, if they see me getting sideways, yeah, they hold me accountable. Yeah, they do.
1: An accountability team is very important in this walk in this life. Yeah, yeah.
0: and I met a lot, you know. And then you, you know, know what I love
1: about you the most, JoJo, since I've gotten to know you over the last years. Like every time I, we have an event at the uh, at CR, no matter what it is, every time I see you, you are serving.
0: Oh yeah, I do. You
1: love to serve, don't you?
0: I, oh yeah, you talking about when I gave you all them baked beans? <laughs> yeah, she
1: hooks, yeah, she hooks brother Phoenix up, man. She knows I'm hungry.
0: And I did burgers. I do, you know, burgers the, and blessings. Uh, yeah, I yeah. did burgers and blessings in Robin Hood. Yeah, you know, because I said, how can they're having events in my neighborhood? I need to help. This is my church. I need to be helping. Mm-hmm. So I went, you know, did burgers and blessings, and a lot of, and some people came to the church. And they said my name. They're like, Joe told us, you know, that we're welcome here no matter. Yeah.
1: Look at you leading people (laughs) to the Lord.
0: But I had a piece of humble pie that day. Did you? Uh, At Burgers and Blessings. A girl came up there in a car that had been associated with my husband and my brother and Mm -hmm. drugs with them and everything Mm -hmm. and, you know, inappropriate stuff.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I said, I don't want to pray for that car. I see I seen her and I mm-hmm. said, I don't I don't want to go to that car. And Aubrey's like, You going to? Yeah.
1: God will put you in uncomfortable situations and sometimes.
0: She was shocked when I came over to her car and prayed with her and gave her food. Mm-hmm. She was just as shocked as I was. I bet.
1: Can we talk about forgiveness for a second? Yeah. Okay. Um
0: I have bitterness towards nobody. I've not anymore. I forg- I have forgave everybody in my life. And, you know, some people have wronged me lately, and I yeah. forgot about it. And yeah. I forgive and forget, you That's know. Right. um, I don't see the need in harboring those feelings. I'm a very, you know, naturally happy person. Yeah. I don't see the need in harboring all that hate. Like, yeah. why? Like, if I can forgive a girl that messed around, tried to mess around with my husband and stuff and mm-hmm. gave him drugs... And if I can forgive my husband, my brother, you can forgive. Like, yeah. you I
1: mean, know, think about it. Jesus sat there and broke bread with the guy he knew was going to stab him in the back. I mean, he forgave him before it even happened. And you know? people,
0: you know, they're they're like, "I want some of what you have," and I'm like, "Well, that's God.
1: That's all God. That's
0: all God." Mm-hmm.
1: Tell me, how's your? Uh, let's talk about your children for a second. Okay. All right. So, from Let's go back to where you know probably about the uh, the first CR meeting, and how did you how did you deal with the children?
0: Well, I have two grown kids, but my my baby. Um,
1: how many children do you have? Three. You have three. What are their three, ages? A
0: twenty four year old. Her name is Sarah. Okay. And uh, I have a twenty two year old. His name is Skylar. Okay. Have two grandkids now. Okay. And Connor, he's nine. Uh-huh. With Connor, it's been. Church has really helped Connor understand, Mm -hmm. you know, that daddy's in heaven. Mm -hmm. And the first year of Robert's death, I did gifts from heaven. I had read it in a grief group where Mm -hmm. a lady had on holidays and birthdays and stuff like that. She would put a box on the table with a a note that said, this is um, from heaven to you. And I did that to Connor for the first year. And I even, like, let him go get his daddy a Father's Day present. Really? And I said, we get to mail it to heaven. And he's like, well, what do we put on it? I said, 777 Heaven. <laughs> That's where it goes. Yeah. And That's then, the address. And then the funeral home in Pearl, uh, Baldwin Lee has a mailbox. It's letters to heaven. Mm-hmm. And we go put a letter in there once a month to daddy to go to heaven. I don't know what they do with the letters. But doesn't it doesn't matter. It makes his heart... He he colors a picture, he writes in his own little words and we Bless go put it heart, and we go put it in the mailbox. Yeah. And so that's what we do. You know, last Christmas was hard. And you know, I really wasn't in the Christmas spirit. I tried to keep it going. But mm. this year I've got into the spirit a little bit. I mean, I'm ready for it to be over because it's so expensive. Yeah. But I'm trying to teach him the real meaning of Christmas and yeah. it's it's starting to sink in. But, you know, it's hard with him because he knows now that his daddy was on drugs. Mm-hmm. He knows that his daddy had uh, mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And Connor has autism. And he has really, really I, I did not know that. And he has really bad behavior issues. Mm-hmm. So he has to take medication. I'm on top of his mental health, mm-hmm. like on top of yeah, it. Yeah, because that's hereditary. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, because he has so many traits of it, so many traits of his daddy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I stay on top of it.
1: So you but keep my, his butt in church too.
0: Oh yeah, you know he he goes in the big church, mm. and because he he has separation anxiety, he mm. doesn't want to go in the little church. I'm trying to get him there. It's yeah. it's a process, but yeah. he goes and he he loves seeing people get baptized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do too. He loves the music. He and the other day he told me he wants to play the piano. So well, then
1: don't take him back there with little. Just leave him in there with you. He loves it that much and you know. We're the
0: back row warriors. So. I know, I see you in there.
1: <laughs> you know, I'm a front row warrior, you know.
0: I would love to set up front, but my child like won't let me. So, yeah. <laughs> so we're back row warriors. But yeah,
1: well, we'll we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get so
0: there. but you know, I do help, I serve, uh anything you know, the food drive. I met some really interesting guys the last food drive that were from uh the mission house, like the recovery house. Mm-hmm. And uh Connor, uh, was they you know helping and stuff because he loads boxes and stuff. And I was talking to some of the guys, and I told them that, um, you know, I told them the story about my husband, and they're like, "You're a saint." I said, "No, I'm not a saint. I'm just I'm just Joe from Brandon, Mississippi." Yeah, but
1: well, you know, being the hands and feet of Jesus. I mean, with, with everything that you've been through in your life. You know, it's it's amazing. This is an amazing testimony. I love it because you know you you bounce back from it so hardcore, and that's why I I, I look at you as a black sheep warrior. I mean, just like for real. I mean, like you've taken the hits, you've taken the licks, and
0: and I know God has a plan for my life. You know, He doesn't take away from you and not give it back. That's right. I know He has a plan. You know, He's He's going to lead me to
1: prosper, not to hurt. Yeah, He's going He's
0: going to lead me places, and I've been I can say I've been blessed. Mm you know, these last two years with great friends, great family, my church family. I've been, you know, so blessed. I couldn't have made it without my church family this last two years. Without a doubt. That's
1: so important. I mean, I'll be honest, um, starting out my walk about three years ago, when I came out of prison, I didn't didn't have anybody. I didn't have, uh, um, I had no family left. I had no friends, you know, all that went out the window, you know, um, uh, from, you know, my testimony, you've heard it. It's like, uh, you know, I just I, I burned down bridges that that I thought never could be rebuilt. But when I came out of prison, and I didn't have all uh, when I was in prison, God told me He was going to restore all that to me. And man, the fam, the size of the family I have now is just and in- incredible. And um, you know, they, I mean, straight up, truly. To care and love and, for me and I truly love and care about them every one of them
0: and God I feel like God sends people my way to to minister
1: without a doubt I
0: had a guy reach out to me his wife was killed in a house fire
1: mm-hmm.
0: and he he just randomly came across me on fa- it's always Facebook yeah <laughs> <I'm> it's <laughs> always Facebook with you but yeah. he uh he inboxed me he's like my wife was killed in a house fire two two weeks ago mm. And me, and him's become friends. And he's like, "I admire your strength." It's I'm, I'm pushing through because.
1: You oh, well, know, I hope he's watching on the live. Me
0: too, and praise Jesus. Got my friend Kimberly in church.
1: Ah oh, man, Kimberly's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I don't you know I don't see her that very often, but uh yeah I know she, uh, I see y'all stuff on Facebook y'all are who I think I I read a post the other day y'all was y'all was in a restaurant oh yeah uh, tell <laughs> tell this story this is awesome I, I was laughing so hard at this story because this is some stuff I'd pull in public and if you know me you know
0: because yeah I'm a comedian I say yeah, stuff I at any time yeah but he uh we were in the Mexican restaurant it was uh-huh. me Logan Kimberly and uh. The little baby Kimberly watches. Yeah. And I was sitting, uh, by, you know, on the other side of the table, and there was a chair beside me.
1: Mm.
0: And, uh, you know, I'm looking over at them. I'm like, well, you know, my invisible boyfriend's over here, and he ain't saying nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I said, he's dead quiet. <laughs> and I said, yeah. they're, and they're like, what is his name? I'm like, George. <laughs> And uh, you know, I'm just carrying on a conversation with George. So Logan joins in. George is like, Logan's like, George, if you are going to be in this friend group, you got to talk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so he's just right, right in there with it.
0: And then the waitress comes to the table. I'm like, George is gonna take care of the ticket. Yeah,
1: George, my my boy George here, he's gonna handle the <laughs> ticket. He's gonna pay his check. So
0: and this man is sitting behind us, and he's like, What's wrong with, the
1: What's people? Wrong with these people? <laughs>
0: But yeah, you know, I try to you know make jokes and didn't, laugh. not
1: y'all didn't y'all skip out of there singing like a whiz, uh, follow the up?
0: that's the thing with me and Kimberly we uh-huh. we, we are hyperactive. <laughs> 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 that's- she says, "You're embarrassing me," but yet she grabs my arm when we leave the restaurant and starts singing, "We're off to see the, Wizard, <laughs> Wizard
1: <of laughs> the Wonderful Wizard of Oz."
0: And then we get to the parking lot. My daughter's in the parking lot because uh, mm. she's she's meeting us there. Yeah, and because she's waiting on me.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And uh, I told my daughter, I said, well, "Me and George is going home." <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, he's driving. <laughs> I don't let him drive.
0: And it's been an ongoing joke with us because yeah. I. I I'll send Kimberly stuff. Like me and George should go do this. Yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, what are you doing tonight? Me and George are going to see it moving.
0: I said George is so quiet. I yeah. said you know he doesn't, he doesn't
1: talk back. <laughs> yeah.
0: He's the best kind of boyfriend, yeah. the one you never see.
1: That's right. I make a joke about um, so uh, you know uh, I, I was praying praying last year for for some companionship. So, but uh, we all do. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. And uh, so for Christmas I got. I got a little female puppy dog that doesn't talk. So that's kind of what I was praying for. I was praying for some companionship that didn't talk back. You know? But, uh, you know, I got a puppy. But it's all good. I love my spirit.
0: My thing is I'm trying to move away from the bad boy image because yeah. it's the tall, mm-hmm. bearded tattoo man mm-hmm. that I love.
1: Yeah, but I know a bunch of tattooed, pierced out, <laughs> tatted out dudes that are on fire for God. Yeah, I do. You know?
0: Where they burning at. <laughs> yeah. <I know. laughs>
1: well. Because.
0: Well. I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to go outside my my range. I
1: got you, but see, here's the thing, and and I know this. It's like when you least expect it, and when you're ready for it, God's timing is perfect. Yeah, it's, you can't look for it.
0: So I've decided, like you know, I'm just I'm just going with the flow.
1: That's what you, yeah. That's what the that's what God just wants to do. Going with the flow, God, you know, God uh, will drop that person in your lap when you least expect it, and, and you, you you will connect with them on a level that you have never thought. And then, you know, you'll experience true love. Like you've never thought or ever seen.
0: And my goal in the new year is to go out and do, you know, speak at more, CR things, you know, you need to
1: talk to Scott Walters. Oh, I have. Yeah, I, have I bet. I, have. I bet you have. He's always looking for speakers. I'm and,
0: um, you know, you know, I just get, you know, it out there that, you know, addiction affects the whole family
1: without a doubt. And thus, and, and, you know, just like we said earlier that, um, you know, those, those that's somebody's uh, daughter, son, uncle, brother, nephew, and um, it's it's important to you know try to reach them and get them help instead of making fun of them. Yeah, because you don't you don't know the testimony, the backstory, how yeah. they got there. Or, no one wakes you know, up
0: and says, "I'm going to be a drug addict."
1: That's hundred percent true. Something
0: leads them down that road. Danny,
1: did you wake up one day and decide, "I'm go- yeah, I'm going to be a drug addict today"? <sighs> Man, I got to be honest, I did not. Okay, thank you. Thank you for that confirmation. But on
0: yeah. on a side note, my brother, he all this time he's been in prison, and never had the Lord, but now he is deacon of the jail. What? <laughs> and he calls me once a week and preaches at me I'm like. And, this is your
1: bro- this is the one we were talking about earlier. That yeah, I mean, oh wow! He's, so he's he's with God and he's like yeah, walking with the Lord. He's,
0: he's deacon and he's got uh, you know, he shares, he does church, you know, mm-hmm. three times a week there. That's what he's doing. What prison in is he in? Marshall County Correctional when does he Facility.
1: Get, when does he get out?
0: 2040?
1: 2040.
0: 2040. Mm-hmm. But I've always felt like he's not going to do all that time.
1: No. He, I feel it in my heart Let that me tell he's you not- something. I know a guy named David Spicer. He was doing seven consecutive life terms and 40 years on top of that. We're going to get him on the show. He is a free man because of God. So we serve and, a God of possible. Yeah, you
0: know? I, I 100% believe that he, he's not going to
1: do all that time. No, I don't think so either.
0: Yeah, and I I believe, you know, when he does, I, I just think he'll do like 10 years and probably get out. But mm-hmm. I believe when he gets out this next time, it's going to be, mm-hmm. he's going to be the person he was meant to be.
1: Mm-hmm. So to wrap this up, let's see. All right. Uh, we mentioned the Point Church on Star Road. If yes. you, if you, uh, if you're looking for a place to serve or if you need a CR meeting, I'm gonna give you I'm, I'm gonna say on Monday nights, you can be at the point on Star Road at 630, uh, between six and six thirty. Uh, on Thursday nights they have one in Byram at Trinity Wesleyan um, on Sywell Road on at the same time 630, 6, six six thirty. On Sunday afternoons, they have one on Napoleon Avenue um, in Pearl. At the Grace Church at three thirty in the afternoon. Those are those are the three main that I, that are in the Rankin County County area that I know about. If um <clears throat> you need a CR meeting, um you can uh they're not hard to find if you're in Jackson. You can also reach out to AA There's one uh, Yana in that one. Danny, Danny, do you know where some meetings are that people can re- can? Yeah, absolutely. If <laughs> if AA is your path, <clears throat> excuse me, you can go to Mid Miss intergroup.com and that will get you all the inside and outside AA meetings that you need. Thank you, Danny. So Jojo, thank you so much for joining us on the black sheep recovery warfare podcast. It was a pleasure and an honor. Thank you. And, um, let's wrap it up. Thank you, Danny.